Welcome to the Recovering Perfectionist Podcast, where I empower you to develop sustainable habits, challenge society, and take messy action. I'm Christine, life balance coach and world champion ballroom dancer, and I believe that everyone has the power to create their very own life by design. The Recovering Perfectionist podcast was created with a mission to encourage a life of abundance by finding peace and acceptance in our own imperfections and developing healthy self-love through sustainable habits and manifestation. It's time to align with the universe for the full human experience and redefine what it really means to be successful. Uh It's too good, the secret is out and wow, Uh uh-huh. Hello, it is officially the start of season two. Thank you so much for sticking with us. I am so excited to be starting this new season and lots of really exciting things happening right now. Um, First of all, this episode is officially airing on our wedding day. Um, So it is scheduled. Uh, I am actually recording it on March, what is today? March 27th. Um, I wanted to have an episode already ready to go because I have some other episodes with some amazing guests coming up and I wanted to make sure that they were being posted too late. So I figured how should I start season two? As a officially married woman when this will air, I wanted to start with a book that has absolutely changed my life. I want to give a shout out to Ross Johnson because he's my business coach and he is the one that recommended this book to me. It has helped me to better understand who I am, who I have always wanted to be, and how to actually get there. Going into a marriage, it's very, very important to just be solid in who you are as a person before you're merging your life with someone else. So this book has seriously just given me all of the tools to be able to refer back to, to self-reflect, utilize some of these tools on a day-to-day basis when I am just going through the daily, you know, things and if challenges pop up. It just kind of gives me a central value system or moral compass to kind of come back to of like everything can kind of be based off of this if I just guide it right. So anyway, here's what we're going to do. First of all, the book is called Essentialism and it's by Greg McKeon. I listened to this book. um, I've been doing a lot of back and forth driving from Las Vegas to California. So I'm about four or five hours on the road and I knocked this book out very quickly by just listening to it. However, the downside of listening to it on the road is I had to do verbal notes. Every other sentence was something that was like a golden nugget from this book. So I was constantly taking notes in my voice memos and I'm just going to kind of go through some of those like main points and then we'll just kind of discuss as we go. But first of all, if you have not read this book, I recommend highly that you do. Um, You can get it on Amazon. You can get it anywhere. Um, You can get it. I was listening to it on Audible. So I actually don't have the physical book yet, but I will be getting it so that I can reread and highlight and all that stuff. But right now I just wanted to get it right away and I had Audible so I was able to, and I had the time to listen to it instead of just sitting down and reading. But just very, very important to, to just check this book out is just a game changer. 
So, start of season two, married woman, here we go. We're going to discuss essentialism and what it really means to be an essentialist. Basically, the concept of essentialism is living by design and not by default. So obviously, for those who know me and have, you know, listened to the podcast enough and seen my coaching style and all of that, I preach the concept of creating your life by design. So this just hit home with me right away. The concept of living your life by design is, or creating your life by design, is truly understanding that you have the power to make anything happen. Life is not happening at you. You have control over what it is that you want to do. And it's very hard. We get very um, clouded and it just gets really blurry when we have society and we have conditioning, programming. Uh, I've talked about this a lot on other episodes, family, friends, expectations, and basically everything that is kind of put on us either by someone else or just the expectation of ourselves that we create that pressure. Just understand that you are in control of what you decide to do with your life and whether somebody shames you or judges you or is jealous of you or whatever, that should not dictate what decision you make. You need to do what is best for you. So I do preach that a lot. Also, if you don't prioritize your life, somebody else will. We see that a lot in, you know, traditional spaces with corporate world jobs or even just a lot of college stuff, which is drastically changing right now. Like you have to go to college, you have to get a degree, you have to do this. That ends up being a family dynamic of like, or just even in school, counselors are guiding you to what do you want to do when you grow up? What colleges are you applying to? Um, other people will plan your life for you. It is, it's very easy for that to happen. If you don't take control and say, I don't want to do this, or I want to do this, it's never going to end up the way that you want to, and you're going to end up living somebody else's planned out life. Usually people end up starting to do that. They check all these boxes. I've talked about this as well in the past, of checking all of society's boxes and then realizing that you're really unhappy, but you checked all the boxes that society said needed to be checked in order for you to be happy. And then you end up realizing that this is not the life you want because most of us don't want a life of checked boxes, honestly. We want a customized lifestyle. Everyone feels differently about certain things, especially now when so many things are becoming a lot more accepted and equal and which is amazing. And so there's just a lot more options, a lot more choices for the new generations. Make some decisions, decide what it is you actually want and make moves. The pursuit of success can actually be the exact thing that brings failure by making a millimeter advance in one million different directions. This I relate to, related to a lot because just being an entrepreneur, it's the concept of energy management versus time management. And when you, when you are going in a bunch of different directions, you're really just making a small increment forward in all those little directions versus if you were to focus on one path or one direction or a couple of things in the same category, um, you are able to move forward so much faster. The more decisions we are forced to take decreases the ability to manage these decisions. So as a society, we are not taught how to manage choices. Uh, sorry, I have so many things to say about all these things, so I'm like, wait. Um, okay, so I'll repeat that again. The more decisions we are forced to take decreases the ability to manage these decisions. So essentially what, essentially, 
We are so bombarded on a daily basis with decision-making. Our entire life is based on one decision at a time. The more decisions we have to make, it says it decreases the ability to manage these decisions. So basically we've just become completely overwhelmed and overloaded, depending on if we have a system of how we manage these decisions or if we decide to take on less. And that is really the whole theme of this book is that we are constantly, all of these things are naturally going to happen to us. Like society has put all of this, you have to do this and you have to do this and you have to do this. And you know, it's, it becomes so intense. And just to be a normal person in society between all of the houses, cars, and then insurances and life insurances and taxes and making sure that you have a family and that you have a job and that you are Oh, and you have to make sure you're part of the PTA for the kids and you have to make sure that, you know, birthdays, everyone that you know has a birthday every year and you also have to do your daily stuff and oh, you should be meditating and I mean, the list goes on and on. That's like 1% of what we are required to do, quote unquote, as a human. And so every everything that you do requires a decision on your part on how to move forward with that. And the more things or activities or people that you involve in your life, the more decisions you have to maintain. And that just becomes so paralyzing after a certain point. He says later on that as, soci as a society, we are not taught how to manage choices. And that's so true. You know, add this to the list of things that we never learned in school that we should have. You basically are not taught how to be an adult managing choices or even a kid managing choices. But usually your choices are more made by your parents at that point. Once you become a full adult with all of these responsibilities now, nobody teaches you how to have organizational systems in order to make decisions easier. That is actually something that I specialize in now with my coaching, specifically is sustainable habits and creating routines and systems in your life that help organize your life so you don't feel so overwhelmed. It basically helps you to automate your life, your business, whatever it is that you're trying to do. There are certain things that I do in my life that I have done for so long that I've automated that I don't even realize. And then I see other people, even family members, I see their, their email inboxes that have 2000 messages and notifications all over. You know, even some of my friends who have so many text messages coming through that are maintaining so many connections with people and relationships on a daily basis, they're just completely bombarded with all of this coming at them I never have any notifications on my phone. I have organizational systems for my notes. I can always find things, passwords, all that stuff. And my emails, if an email pops through, even if I didn't check my phone the entire day, the most emails I might get would be maybe like 15, 20 emails. And I would sit there for five, 10 minutes and go through all the emails and organize them in a folder or get rid of it if it's trash or spam or keep it in the inbox if I still need to do something with it. But at most, I won't have any more than about, you know, seven to 10 emails in each of my inboxes that I'm currently working on. And so many people just procrastinate and let that stuff just go through. And then they get to a point where now I can't maintain it because it's too far gone. In order to go through 2000 emails, I'd have to be sitting there for hours. At that point, I always tell people just start over with a new email. <laughs> at a certain point, you kind of just have to create these systems and then you won't feel so overwhelmed because you're basically continuing to maintain it on such a low energy way so that you're not actually putting forth so much. It, it just doesn't become space in your brain. It's not just information overload, but because of technology, social media, and social pressure around decision-making, it's opinion overload. Loved this one. This was so huge for me. Information overload is something that once 
technology became a big thing. This was something that we, the hot buzzword, like sensory overload, information overload. We have access to so many things at our fingertips, but it's not just that. That's not what's causing the stress. It's our choice to turn on and off those types of information that's coming at us. He says the pressure around decision-making, it's opinion overload. And that is the social pressure that we were talking about with family and friends. And if, if you don't play in your life, somebody else will do it for you. This is what we are constantly bombarded with. You jump on Facebook, you see everyone and their mom's opinion on every topic you can ever imagine. And all of a sudden, whether you think you're blocking it out, subconsciously you're absorbing that. That's so funny actually, because I was just on Facebook right before I recorded this podcast and I saw Gary V, love Gary V, who posted an Instagram of like a pair of Apple Pods headphones and on it he wrote, you are what you continually listen to or whatever. Basically all the information you're absorbing, whether you think you're taking what you want from it, you are subconsciously absorbing all of those things. If there's TV news going on in the background and you just kind of walk by, there something is hitting, you know, the internal nervous system of your brain and it is, you know, it's going to sort through and decide what it wants to keep. Really weeding out those opinions of so many people and trying to figure out like don't feel pressure. Oh, well so and so is going to this college. Oh, well so and so has this job. Oh, so and so just started a business. Should I start a business? Or you know, um, political views have become a big thing in 2020. Well, they've always been a big thing, but they got worse. Um, and just all the things of opinions that we don't realize on a daily basis, we are constantly bombarded with on top of marketing. But marketing is kind of an opinion too, you know, if you think about it. A store telling you that they feel their product is the best one and why it is. Uh, priority started off as a singular word in the 1400s. Only much later did it become a plural word, priorities, thus referring to the fact that we should have multiple things we hold important and should have our attention. I've actually, since I read this book, I've been using this particular phrase with my clients and telling them about priority and priorities. It struck a chord with so many people. We don't even think of the word priority. Like what is, we don't say the word priority. It sounds even weird to say, yeah, this is a priority, right? No, we say these are priorities, right? I have to have my responsibilities, my priorities, you know, make sure you prioritize those kinds of things. And so we have to remember that it started off as a singular word. What is the one priority? Is it your happiness? Is it yourself? Is it your peace? Is it service for other people? What is it? Not all of the things that you have to do. I'm not asking for your to-do list. I'm asking for what is your priority in life? And that is something that a lot of people don't take the time to reflect on. Okay, here are three assumptions of the non-essentialist. I have to, it's all important, and I can do both. So this was, this was huge for me because I've been doing this my whole life. Um, so the non-essential, you have the essentialist and the non-essentialist, and he goes back and forth and compares, um, you know, a non-essentialist would do this and an essentialist would do this. So it's really cool to kind of see like, oh, we, where am I falling between these two? So he said the assumptions of the non-essentialist, meaning like the non-essentialist assumes that you have to do it, right? It's required in a sense of like, well, so-and-so is having a birthday. I have to go to their party, right? Or it would be rude, right? It ends up being that. It's all important. So they can't choose one priority or one task or one whatever. 
everything on their list is equally as important. And I can do both, or I can do all of it, essentially. Um, and this was me, to a T, was the I can do both. I was always saying, well, it's fine because whatever needs to be done, I'll get it done. And then you end up just running yourself ragged. Also, that to-do list never gets smaller. Ever, ever, ever. <laughs> I have tried so hard. I'm like, oh, when this list is done, I'll be good to go. You always keep adding to the list. Life happens. Things continue to move forward. And you are constantly adding to that list. It is so frustrating. And basically, you just get yourself in your own version of your hamster wheel. Whether you're an entrepreneur or not, it doesn't matter. There's a hamster wheel in every aspect of life, and you just need to make sure you don't get stuck in it. Society has created FOMO, which makes it harder for us to choose one or two important things because we are wanting to not miss out on all the little things that everyone is telling us is so great. I mean, who can relate to this? Every single person. FOMO was something created, which for those of you who don't know, fear of missing out, FOMO. And it is definitely came popping up in the millennial generation and which is mine, very proud millennial, but this FOMO concept is like, oh, you're not at the party, you should be here. Oh, you're not going to this place, you should, you know, whatever. Or you didn't try this new restaurant or you don't have that new, those new shoes, you should get those new shoes. And it causes you to just be completely thrown off your decision making. And you, again, it's the opinions of others, society pressure. You're constantly making decisions based on other people's decision making. And why are they making decisions, right? Think about it. It's like this whole domino effect. If everyone's kind of living through this kind of FOMO concept, then that those people are buying those shoes or going to those restaurants because everybody else is doing it. And so who, like, where does it end, essentially? You know, I realize I say essentially a lot now that I'm saying it in this podcast. We must choose choice. When we forget our ability to choose, we will become helpless or hopeless. Our first act of free will is to believe in free will. You must exercise your power of choice. Um, this one definitely hit home as well. Um, we all say, especially in the United States, right? And especially in 2020 with the mask and the mask and all this mask on, mask off, whatever. Um, that we're a free country. We have free will, freedom of speech, freedom of all this stuff. And when we think about it, we're actually imprisoning ourselves through a lot of these techniques that we do with ourselves. Um, so I love that he says our first act of free will is to believe in free will. So don't feel like you have to go to college. Don't feel like you don't. Don't feel like you have to start a business because everybody's starting it. Don't, I mean, it all ties together with FOMO and social pressure and all this stuff, but you must exercise your power of choice. Let me say that again. You must exercise your power of choice. It is so imperative that you understand this one concept. And this is truly the concept of essentialism of like, you get to choose whether you want to jump on that email chain and be the first one. You get to choose whether or not you need to go to that meeting physically. You get to choose whether or not you have to bring cupcakes to the party. Like these are all things that like nobody should be shaming you, judging you, jealous of you, whatever. You just deserve to make your own choice 
and have free will. We always hear the concept of working smart and not hard, but there is no explanation of how to properly execute that narrative. That is, um, that is something I've definitely been working more towards because I've always talked about the concept of working smart, not hard, but again, it's kind of like, you know, society doesn't teach you how to manage choices. Society doesn't teach you how to work smart. Because if everybody worked smart, it would be a very different society. And you wouldn't have, a lot of people just wouldn't be caught up with these advertisements and these social media things and all of that. And you wouldn't have people following other people. Um, people would just be walking around with their own ideas and their own choices and things. Um, it's very different. So I go back and forth because I understand why it happens. But at the same time, I feel like people deserve to live you know, a great life and not feel like they have to follow the trends or follow the crowd. Is there a point where doing more does not produce more and actually doing less, but with more attention at the target can actually produce more? So this is, um, this is something I've actually kind of started acquiring, um, kind of adapting this kind of phrase into my coaching is do more by doing less is kind of what I've started coining and I got it in the sense from this phrase is when he says there's a point where doing more does not produce more that is that's huge because again it's the concept of moving a millimeter at a time in a bunch of different directions so you think that I'm going to plant seeds all over this was the concept I grew up with right let's plant seeds everywhere something has to grow do everything grab every opportunity you can because you'll make a little money here, you'll do here, you'll make connections, it'll be good exposure, right? How many times has everybody heard those phrases? And you get to a point where you're like, I'm just exhausted. Like I am being completely run in so many different directions right now. And I just, it just doesn't make any sense. So then he says, by actually doing less, but with more attention on the target of what you're trying to do, Basically, focus, which, you know, if you've worked with any business coach, they'll bring back the whole Warren Buffett, um, constantly saying that focus is the game changer for him. Um, by doing less and paying more attention to the target, it can actually produce more. And you actually can go further. Um, and I think the best example of this is um, Olympians, honestly. Uh, they focus on one thing. They even cut out a lot of their social life. You hear a lot of Olympians, they're like, my entire life is I have practice, I have rehearsal, I have this, I have that. And they end up being the best in the world at what they do. And that's not because they are distracted or shiny object or I'm going to do this and this. It's like, no, it's one thing. So they are a perfect example of that. Essentially, see trade-offs as a deeper investment into one thing. Okay, so essentially when we're talking about trade-offs, right? Because a lot of people say, well, if I go from being a non-essentialist to an essentialist and I cut things out of my life, then I'm trading this for this, right? Or I'm removing things and that's just not the case. Yes, you're removing things, but you are not, it's not a trade-off. Um, think of a trade-off as a deeper investment into one thing. So you are taking the time away from something 
or someone to be able to invest deeper into the things you actually want. Because I would say most of the things that we do on a daily basis don't end up actually facilitating the bigger goal of what we're trying to accomplish. It just ends up being busy work or things that we feel that we're required to do, expectations, social pressure. Again, it all goes back to that. But don't think of it as, well, I have to give this up. That's not what you're doing. If you, if you feel like you're giving it up, then that's not the thing you should be cutting out of your life. Because if that's the thing that you feel important to you or that person, then don't, don't cut it out. Um, it shouldn't feel like a trade-off if it's truly not meant for you and it doesn't serve you anymore. It should feel like a deeper investment into all the other things that are serving you. It's important to give yourself space and time to discover what it is that you want or also to accomplish things at a higher level with more focus. I mean, that's just kind of clear right there. Yeah, and I actually, I, my notes here as I'm reading them, I give the example of being more focused and finding something. Or again, that goes into the energy management that I talk about a lot. When I'm constantly kind of looking for something around the house or whatever, I can't find it, right? And I'm like, because I'm distracted, I'm looking for something on the way to the get my keys, to walk out the door, to go to an appointment or whatever. Once I have five, 10 minutes and I'm like, okay, I really have to find this thing. What is happening? Why can't I find it? And I focus and really think back to where I, I looked um, before or where I left it or whatever, then I kind of, I mean, it, you're so much more focused. It's something very minor um, when you think about it, just trying to find something that you lost maybe in the house. But when you actually put your focus all on that one thing in that very moment, 98% of the time I find what I'm looking for. So, I mean, we could go on and on and on with this book all day long. I do want to not give too much away because I do want you to read it. The concept is something that you may have heard before. Going through all of these kind of notes that I, you know, golden nuggets I took from the book and kind of going through it piece by piece. It makes a lot of sense when we're talking about it. It's the application that is really the hardest part. And that's with anything. You know, anytime you're trying to change a habit, break a, break a bad one, integrate a new one, or anything that you're trying to do, you're trying to learn a new skill, you're trying to, you know, even building a relationship, that's something new in your life, building a business, um, starting a new job, whatever it is. These are all very difficult things to do that require absolute consistency, just like a muscle, just like anything, right? You want to work out, you want to drop weight, you want to put on muscle, whatever it is. These things don't happen by just doing it every now and again. It takes a schedule. It takes consistency. It takes drive. It takes intention. I talk about that a lot with intention, um, living with intention, doing things on purpose. Don't just do things as a like a boomerang effect, essentially, of society, um, you don't want to just be doing things as a reaction to everything else. You really need to start being proactive instead of reactive. Uh, if you resonate a lot with some of the stuff that we've talked about in this episode, uh, first of all, I highly recommend if you've never read this book to read it. That's just number one. Regardless of whether you resonate or not, this is a book that everybody on the planet needs to read. There are so many golden nuggets in here. You cannot possibly read this book and not get anything out of it. So you need to read the book for sure. Definitely share it with friends, family, all of that stuff. But 
just understanding the concept of you have a choice, you have free will, we have a lot going on around us and being more aware of how social media and social pressure and friends and family and all of this energy around us kind of debilitates or paralyzes our decision making, whether we think so or not. And some people I've always said like, oh no, I know what I want. I'm a very good decision maker. And then sometimes you get to a place that you start to look back and you're like, wow, I could have moved forward so much faster if I just didn't dwell on that or that comment that someone made or this or that. And I would have just done what I wanted and I wouldn't have wasted time. Also just not committing to things that you don't feel serve you. We commit to so many things throughout our lives that we feel required to commit to. And I think if we say, no, I'm sorry, I can't come. You know, I have a lot of people, sorry, I get thoughts in the middle of my speech when I'm like, oh man, I got to mention that. But like right now, you know, with planning our wedding, we have people because of COVID, but also just because of life. Like some people are saying, well, I have kids and they need to go to school and we're in the middle of spring and you know, all that stuff. So I have people that are saying, I'm sorry, I can't come to your wedding. And some of these people are like close to us, you know, like we kept it very small and niche. So it's not like it's just like, you know, the third cousin's girlfriend or whatever. It's like specifically, you know, close people to us and they apologize. And we completely understand because everybody's life has different priorities, <laughs> priority. Having some people say no to us, like I'm so glad when they do, if they truly can't make it because I knew if they could, they would. And I don't feel like they're just saying that to get out of it because everybody wants to come especially because our wedding's going to be bomb. Um, but the idea is that by them actually choosing themselves or something, something else with their family or something that's very important to them, they are actually exercising their power of choice and free will. When someone says no to me, like, I can't come to your event, I can't participate in that, I'm not free that weekend, or I can't help you edit that photo or whatever it may be that I ask someone to do, I first respect, first I'm like, okay, well now I have to find someone else, right? So I'm immediately task oriented and like, okay, let's move on. But I also appreciate that person being honest with me and not committing to something that they may then let me down later because I would rather them say no from the start than to commit because they feel obligated or they want to, you know, they don't want to burn a bridge or they don't want to, um, they want to help me out truly because they don't want to leave me hanging. But then later they can't commit to it because now they have all these other things they've also committed to. And then they just become a yes man or woman. That is just so imperative to know that you have the choice to say no. That is really the whole concept of essentialism. The difference between a non-essentialist and an essentialist is an essentialist knows how to say no, exercises their right to say no, and the third part, so important, does not feel guilty when they say no. They know they are choosing themselves and their peace and doing what is serving them. Now, that doesn't always mean like people are like, oh, that's just selfish. You should help other people. Yeah, I help other people all the time, right? The people that are in my circle and everything, we all are people who are essentialists, but we help other people constantly. And in fact, with the concept of what the book said about being able to do more by doing less, we are able to help so many more people on such a high level because we focus and we don't push ourselves in all these different directions. 
that when I was really putting myself out there and really going a millimeter forward in all these different directions, I wasn't able to help a lot of people. I had a lot of people reach out to me and I said, you know, I'm sorry, I just, I can't right now. Then I would look back thinking, well, who did I really help? What was really happening? I was just busy a lot, but was I really actually making an impact in anybody's life? And now with the focus that I've created and cleaning up the clutter and taking the time for me and really not committing to all of these things that I felt obligated to commit to, or even just not obligated by social pressure or family, it was more I obligated myself thinking your business won't grow if you don't commit to everything and plant the seeds everywhere and do all this stuff, something's gotta grow, that now I'm focused on one thing, I'm making such a bigger impact on people's lives because I'm not overwhelmed and stressed and I'm not running on empty. My cup runneth over, as they say. I am now truly creating energy and serving people with impact and purpose and intention. And I'm allowing myself to take all of that in to recharge me so that I can put more out. And by focusing on that in my business, but also in my relationship, and then my fiance also has a I guess I could say husband now because this will air on our wedding, but um, I'm gonna have to get used to that. My husband has a digital media business and we have a lot of events that we do together. He is kind of the whole brains of the operation and does all of the, um, you know, the main stuff with the photo and video and I do all the admin stuff and he has a team and we're able to build a team that's so focused and small that allows for people to not just like, oh, well, we have a team of like 20, so maybe you work one event a year. It's like, no, we have a team of like four or five and they work every event that we do. So I really feel like we're able to help people and make it so that our opportunities are their opportunities, you know, and they show up and they, they work so much harder because they know that we are committed just as much as they are and we're not just half-assing the job and we have more intention behind what we're doing and there's follow through and consistency and just all of it. I could go on like this for hours, but there's so many life examples of when I've seen why it is so much more beneficial to yourself first and then to the world and anyone that you come in contact with to focus on trying to be as much of an essentialist as possible. Don't think that by trying to help more people that you will actually be helping more people because that's kind of where we fall into our own trap. We try to help everybody and we end up helping nobody. So focus on helping the people that you really truly can help, that really need your help, that are right in front of you. I posted something this morning as well that comes back to the Michael Jackson song, I'm starting with the man in the mirror. If you wanna change the world, start by changing yourself. Create impact on that level, even though that doesn't feel like you're doing so much. For people who have big dreams and all this, you know, stuff like kind of like I am, I, I feel like, well, I got to be doing more. And you can be doing more by doing less and focusing in and making an impact where you are. The universe will guide you through that and it will double and quadruple your impact based on how deep you go in. So focus, focus, focus. <laughs> There's really no other word, just focus. If it works for Warren Buffett, it works for me and it should work for you. I hope that this episode serves you. I hope that you buy the book Essentialism by Greg McKeon. I'll put the link for the Amazon book in the show notes. 
I hope that you start to just kind of reprogram the brain a little bit and it helps you in whatever area. Maybe you're already kind of thriving in the essentialist space, but there's just other areas in your life that you can just kind of tweak and tighten up and all of that. There's always room for improvement and growth. We know that. I am just now feeling like I am applying this after maybe six months to a year. I'm finally feeling like I'm applying this subconsciously and not having to think about it. I've always kind of thought in some of these areas, but then what he really made me think about is just the trap that we put ourselves in as entrepreneurs. I was definitely doing a lot more thinking that I was an essentialist when in reality I was not. Again, focus, consistency, and just remember that you have the power of choice. So choose wisely. Thank you so much for listening to the Recovering Perfectionist podcast. I'm Christine, and if this episode resonated with you or spoke to you in any way, please feel free to share. I absolutely love hearing from you guys and your thoughts about the topics based on your experiences. And also, if there's anything you want me to talk about, just screenshot this episode and share it on social media with your comments. Your feedback really helps me to curate episodes that best serve you. If you have time, I would greatly appreciate if you could leave a review wherever you're listening to this episode, whether on Apple or Spotify or any other platform. I'm wishing you a blessed week ahead. And remember, perfection doesn't exist. Take messy action. Healthy habits keep us balanced and you are enough.